It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. Your Bibles this morning, if you will, turn to Acts chapter 8. We're going to begin there. Last week we started a series on the authority of the believer. And I got home, began to do some praying and meditating on the Word. The Lord spoke to me and said, you're not half finished with the heart yet. I said, okay, Lord, you're the boss. So we're going to go back and start studying the heart. Glad you're so excited. Praise God, but I guarantee you get your heart right, everything else will fall right into line. Amen? Now, they know what I'm teaching on. That's why they sang that song about worship, because... In many areas of our life, that's where we fall short is in worship. You know, what you receive from God or to the dimension that you worship God is directly equivalent to how you worship. And I know that the generic term, just like when we teach on faith, we talk about the generic term for faith, how you know people will ask you, of what faith are you? You know, you talk to them and you, you start witnessing to somebody about the Lord and you start talking about being born again or you start talking about miracles, you start talking about healing. And people get real puzzled. They get this real puzzled look in their face and they're like, well, of what faith are you? You ever heard that before? And what they're actually saying is they're saying, you know, what flavor of Christianity do you adhere to? Actually, they're, they're, they're trying to get you to give a denominational response. Are you a Baptist? Are you a Methodist? Are you a Catholic? Because they classify the denominations as, quote, faith, and it has actually nothing to do with faith at all. Faith is an act, not a label on a type of Christianity. Faith is an act. And then, you know, you can look into, I guess, in the newspapers on the internet and find different churches that have they, they schedule the time of their worship hour, you know. This is when we worship. And so they claim or they, or, they, or they put out there that, you know, when we go through what we go through as a church, then that's our worship. Well, in reality, it's the same thing. It's not true. That's not what worship's all about. That's not what worship's all about. And when you really begin to probe and discover what worship's all about, it'll do two things. It'll help you see where you come up short because all of us come up short. Secondly, it'll help you to make adjustments so you can become a true worshiper. We'll see in a minute what kind of worshipers God's looking for. But I want us to go through Matthew. We're going to hit a couple of scriptures real fast, about three of them real fast. And I want you to see something in those scriptures that I find it very, I find it very amazing. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. It says, When he, or when Jesus was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper. Everybody say a leper. And worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, now you know, in some incidences of healing, we see the word, you know, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. In this particular portion of Scripture, we only see one element, and that is worship. Everybody say worship. Now, that, that kind of makes you think, okay, Lord, what if this guy, this leper, came to Jesus, and he doesn't just kneel down to Jesus and start singing a slow song to him? Amen? What was there about this leper that the writer 
of the book of Matthew, who is the Holy Ghost, through Matthew, what is it that Jesus saw in this leper that concluded in the mind of the Holy Ghost the word worship should go there? Amen? Well, obviously what he saw was this. I mean, if you got leprosy, what are you willing to give up to get rid of leprosy? Would you go anywhere that Jesus told you to go? To get, le- get rid of leprosy? Back then, leprosy, you were alienated from everything. They didn't have leper colonies like we have today or treatment centers or places where people can be treated. They had, you went and lived in the garbage dump. And you did not go anywhere near society. You did not go anywhere near people. You were totally alienated from anybody other than other lepers. So it was the worst kind of life any individual could live. So could Jesus have saw through this man's uh, 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 leprosy and seen his heart and determined this guy has a heart. If I told him to do anything, he'd do it. If I told him to go anywhere, he'd go. If I told him to give anything, he'd give it. I will be thou clean. What was the result of his worship? He got healed of leprosy. Are you with me? Now, now, now go real quick to, to, to chapter 9. Should be just a page or two over. Chapter 9, verse 18. Now notice this. We, when we study this portion of Scripture, we usually study it out of the book of Mark. It's the story of Jairus and coming to Jesus when his daughter was so sick, basically dying or dead. And then the, the, uh, right in the middle of him going to Jairus' house, the woman with the issue of blood touched his clothes. How many remember that? Now here's Jairus. It says, while he spake these things, or while Jesus spake these things uh, uh, unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead. But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. You see that? Now, we all know the end of the story. Amen. What's the end of the story? Bless God, she got healed. Raised from the dead. Come on, church. What would cause the Holy Ghost to inspire Matthew to write the word worship? Where there were no songs playing. Amen? Where there was no music, there was no songs being sung unto the Lord, but in this situation, the Holy Ghost said, put the word worship. He must have saw, Jesus must have saw in this man a willingness. Everybody say a willingness. What would you do if it was your daughter? What would you do? Would you go anywhere Jesus said go? Would you do anything Jesus said do? Would you give anything Jesus said? I would. I absolutely would. To get my daughter raised from the dead, I would do it. Anywhere he said go, anything he said do. Amen? Now, go, if you will, to, to chapter 14. We're there in 9, just a couple of more pages over. 13, 14. Jesus had done tremendous miracles, all kinds of things, heard of it. People were hearing about him. He went out, uh, he went out on the uh, 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 ocean. He sent the disciples out into the sea to travel to another location. He was not in, this is not the incident in which he was in the boat with them. He came walking on the water supernaturally. Peter said, let me come out and walk on the water with you. He came out and began to walk. Uh, the Bible says he saw the, the, the winds, boisterous and the waves and all that. He began to sink. Jesus lifted him up. Amen. And so it says, it says, uh, well, look at verse 31. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, said to him, O thee of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they were come uh, uh, into the ship, the wind ceased. Everybody say, the wind ceased. Now notice this. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now notice, Jesus had calmed the sea. Now these guys are really beginning to become amazed. They had seen him heal lepers, raise the dead, do all kinds of supernatural things. And then all of a sudden, he comes walking on the water in the midst of a storm. And in the midst of the, of the storm, Peter comes out, does the same thing, begins to sing. He lifts him up, gets into the boat, and the whole thing becomes calm. And they begin to worship him. Everybody say worship him. They begin to worship him. As they begin to worship him, all of a sudden, a revelation. This is not just some prophet. This is not just some really anointed preacher. This is the Son of God came out of their worship. Revelation comes out of your worship. Are you with me? Now, go to John chapter 4. We're going to look at several scriptures here. Go to John chapter 4. This is a very powerful scripture in which Jesus has an encounter with a, with a hurting woman, obviously hurting. She had had several marriages that had failed. And then she was living, just kind of living, shacking up with some guy. And, and thank God Jesus comes to people like that. Amen. Begins to minister unto her. And as he began to minister to her, he begins to re reveal himself as the living water. Everybody say the living water. Uh, uh, she begins to kind of get a little uh, spiritual with him there in verse 19. The woman said unto her, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Now notice. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me. The hour cometh when, we sh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you know what? What you know not. Know not what? We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers. Everybody say true worshipers. Now let me stop right here for a minute. If he says the word true worshipers, that means there are false worshipers. Let me say it like this. If he's looking for people that are doing, doing it right, that means there are people that are doing it wrong. Are you with me? If he's looking for people that are doing it right, that means there are people that are doing it wrong. So he's looking for what? True worshipers. True worshipers shall worship who? The Father. Everybody say the Father. Now that term right there was a very controversial term at that time because Israel did not refer to God as Father. Can I get a better amen? Everybody say amen. amen. Wake up. Everybody say, look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Now, it's so I'm telling you, this is one of the most important messages. You can, if you can hear this message, your production level of receiving from God is going to increase. If you don't, it's going to stay the same. How many want your production level to increase? You want healing? You want prosperity? God is not withholding it from you. But there is a divine protocol of worship that works together with your faith, that works together with your obedience, it works together with your sacrifice, and it works together with your trust that can bring provision into your life which you've never even dreamed of before. But you've got to make a change in your heart in order to truly worship God. Now notice, true worshipers, somebody say true worshipers. True worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit. Now notice that's not a capital S, that's a small s. Everybody say small s. 
in spirit and in truth. Why? For the Father seeketh such to worship him. That means God is looking down at all the church services, at all the so-called Christians, and he's got to look for it. That means it's hard to find. Now, we blame a lot of other churches, but we're here. This is our church. We can't, we can't point a finger at other churches. This is our church. That means he's got to come into Island Church instead of just walking in the door and there's all this worship. He's got to search for it. He's got to look for it. Well, I sang the slow song. That's not what we're talking about. See, that's been the traditional view of worship. Praise, that's the fast song. Worship, that's the slow song. No, 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 no. That comes out of worship. I said that comes out of true worship. So the Father is seeking for those that truly worship God. Everybody say, truly worship God. Now notice this next verse. God is a spirit. Not God is spirit. God is a spirit. He's got hands. He's got a face. He's got feet. Moses saw his hinder parts. Come on. That means there is an entity in this universe, a spirit being that looks like a man, but he's not a man. Come on. A lot of people think God is, quote, spirit. God is in a sunrise. God is in a baby's first cry. God is when two people stand and get married. God is in the sunset. God, God's in all of that. Okay, well, praise God. But God doesn't want to be just included in the sunrise and sunset. He's the reason there is a sunrise. He's the reason there is a sunset. He's the reason there is a baby's cry. And you've got to get, see God as an individual entity. A spirit. Big S. Great big S. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I like to say it like this. you got to worship God spirit to spirit. Why? Because he's spirit. Now, I've told this story before, but this is a good illustration. Good point uh, to, to tell it again, to illustrate a point. When Breland was born, Breland was just a baby, like all babies. They're born and they got to have mama. Mama this, mama that, mama 24-7. And Leah was always trying to get Breland to respond to me. She would say, there's daddy. And Breland would look off the other direction. Say, there's daddy. Give daddy a hug. And she'd go hug the dog, you know. And so she was always trying to get Breland to respond to me. And I, I knew she was a child. I didn't have any problems with, with her. You know, I didn't, I didn't view it as rejection. She was just a little baby. But as she began to grow and become more aware of who her father was, you missed a good opportunity to say amen. As she began to grow and become more aware of who her father was, listen, listen, you got to grow and become more aware of who your heavenly father is. One day I came in from a meeting and, and Leah's holding Breland, and, Breland and, and Leah says to Breland, there's daddy. And Breland goes like this. This big smile and threw her arms out. And I went and got her, and she put her arms around my neck, and she just grabbed me. Father to daughter. Everybody say, father to daughter. Now, from the day she was born up until that time, she's in my family. Anything I have is hers. Anything I can do for her, I'm going to do. But when she responded to me as father, that removed every barrier. 
That removed anything that would hinder me. That just erased all. I mean, she became daddy's girl. That's daddy's girl now. And that's exactly what the Father wants from you is a spirit-to-spirit contact. He wants you to worship him in spirit. Everybody say in spirit and in truth. Everybody say truth. Now, truth is what? Truth is the word, but truth is also actions and deeds that correspond. Now, let let me say this, and then we'll go look at it. When it comes to worship, there are elements to worship. Number one, there's obedience. You must be obedient in order to worship God. So many people have no worship in them because they're not, they're not obedient. Everything that the Word says, they reject or they try to push out of their lives. And listen, we can, we can talk about everything from giving to your character being changed, to your personality being fixed, to whatever it is in your life that you hang on to that's not of God, whatever it is in any area where you're disobedient and not obedient, it's going to hinder your worship. And then you need sacrifice. Some very labored amens. Because we don't like sacrifice. But sacrifice is an element of worship. Then, out of obedience... Out of sacrifice comes trust. Because if you can be obedient and you can sacrifice and develop trust in God, you can worship Him. Now let me say that again. If you can be obedient and sacrifice, amen. And let me just say this out loud. Sacrifice is not putting up with a preacher. Some people say, I put up with that preacher long enough. That's not sacrifice. <laughs> Amen? No, you've got to understand that there are elements of obedience and sacrifice that build trust on the inside of you so that your faith can operate so that the area of, a God, of God which you're obedient and sacrificial in and trusting God, it's going to show up in your life. The healing will manifest. The money will come. You will have the peace you need. The addiction will be broken. Whatever it is in your life you need God to show up in, He shows up in the place of your worship. He did it for the leper. He did it for Jairus. He did it for the Syrophoenician woman when she came and didn't understand what God was saying. She worshiped God and said, God, help me. And what happened? Her demonically possessed daughter got delivered. Worship releases the power of God. God will withhold nothing from anybody that will worship him. Amen. Amen. Now, go to Genesis 22. Let me show you something. We'll go to Genesis 22, and then we'll go over to Matthew chapter 4. Look at Genesis 22. This is an amazing story of worship. There's so much in this chapter. This is a great chapter. Every Bible student ought to go, which everybody ought to be a Bible student, ought to go study this chapter. In this chapter, we can find redemption. In this chapter, we can find the act of faith. In this chapter, we can find uh, being led by God. In this chapter, we can find obedience. We can find sacrifice. We can find worship. We can find prosperity. And we can find history. All in one chapter. Isn't that amazing? Remember we said revelation in the Word of God is like climbing a mountain. You climb up the north side, you get the north view. You climb up the south side, you get the south view. Climb up the east side, you get the east view. Climb up the west side, you get the west view. The problem is man climbs up one side, pitches a tent there, and says we're going to live here forever. I don't want that. I want the whole thing. How do we say it around here? The whole enchilada. The whole enchilada. Amen. The whole nine yards. Anybody know where that phrase came from, the whole nine yards? Anybody? Raise your hand if you know where it came from. Nobody knows where that came from. That is a military term that came from World War II when they developed the P-51 Mustang. 
And the P-51 Mustang held nine yards in each wing of 50 caliber bullets. So when the pilots would walk out, they would ask the pilots, how much ammunition do you need today? He said, give me the whole nine yards. Somehow you've just been educated, amen? That's where that came from. I didn't know that, but I watched the History Channel. <laughs> Chapter 22 of Genesis, verse 1. Came to pass after these things, God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. Now notice the word tempt there. Actually, in the Amplified, it says proved. Amen. God tested and proved Abraham. Now, here's how it works. You come to Island Church, you get taught faith. God does not put a problem or a situation into your life to prove you have faith. They're going to show up whether you want it or not. They just come because you're down here on the planet. you got an adversary called the devil. You say, you mean I'd be going through all this kind of stuff even if I wasn't serving God? You'd be going through worse. See, that's just the deception of the devil to try to make you think, well, I wouldn't be going through all this if I wouldn't got saved. Yes, you would. You'd be going through worse. But the good news is now you got faith. Now you got an answer. So what God wants to do is put his faith in you so you can get yourself out of that problem and you can look around and you can see who belongs to God. They're the people that God's proving. Are you with me? So he's going to prove him. He said, take now thy son. Now listen to this. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. There's also the element of love in worship. Whom thou lovest. And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I shall tell thee of. Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Everybody say, which God had told him. You got to be in the place where God tells you. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, now notice this, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, he didn't have the praise team with him. Amen. He he didn't say, we're going to go up on the mountain. We're going to sing day and night, night and day. That's not what they're doing. (laughs) Now, I'm not making fun of that because we need to do that. But listen, only when we do this other will that make any difference. Only when we do this other will that bring the presence of God into the house like it should. Amen. So he's going up. So we see two things. Number one, obedience. Everybody say obedience. God got him up and said, listen, here's where I want you to go. And he did it. He obeyed. Number two, he said, I want you to sacrifice what? Four dollars? What would, what, would, what would Abraham give for Isaac? Everything. It was his most precious possession. Isaac was the result of 25 years of believing God. 25 years of the stars in the sky. 25 years of the sand of the desert. 25 years of his name being changed from Abram to Abraham. 25 years and his body ceased to work. 25 years and Sarah was too old. 25 years and no way it could happen. And 25 years and it happened. And God says, all right. Take now your son Isaac. Now, 
This, this, this begs the question, so we have to take a, a redemptive sidestep just for a second. People say, why? Why would, well, God, I mean, you go read in Exodus, it says don't, don't offer your children to Molech. You ever read that? that? That's actually talking about don't burn your children up because that's what the heathen nations used to do. They used to offer their children as sacrifice under their demon gods and burn them up on the altar. That was against the law of God. So what's God telling this guy to do? What's he telling him to do? A redemptive act. Everybody say a redemptive act. How many, how many are glad Jesus came? Anybody really glad Jesus came? I mean, are you really glad Jesus came? Well, the way Jesus came was perfectly just. Everybody say just and legal. God has no entrance into the earth unless man allows him entrance. Well, God can do anything. No, he can't. God can only do what he says in his word. And in his word are the terms of justice and that which is legal. Now, we've got an illegal entity who did what? He got into the garden illegally. He got into a snake and he spoke words. Snakes don't speak words. All of that was illegal. And man fell for the crime that was committed and put him in the circumstance and the condition he's in right now. So God had to find a man. Everybody say a man. He had to find a man willing to get into a blood sacrifice with him that was willing to give his only son, his most precious possession. Abraham would have gave all of his gold. He would have gave all of his silver. He would have gave all of his cattle. He would have gave everything, everything. Just don't take Isaac. But what do we say about worship? Obedience, sacrifice, trust. So what did he do? He trusted God. Actually, when we study Abraham in other scriptures in the New Covenant, it says that he believed that if he burnt his son up on the altar, that God would take the ashes and raise him back up. Because the word said, God said, so shall thy seed be. And this was his seed. And God's not the seed destroyer, but there is a seed destroyer. I and the lad will go yonder and worship. So here's his worship. This whole thing is an act of worship. And come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering, excuse me, took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both together. And Isaac spake unto, unto Abraham his father, and he said, My father, he said, Here am I. He said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now listen to verse 8. Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. In the midst of the abstract nature of his worship, God gave him revelation. Out of his own mouth came a prophecy. Out of his own mouth came a revelation of the provision of God. God will provide himself a lamb. Why did that happen? It happened in the act of worship. God speaks to his people in worship. God speaks to his people in worship. Uh, we were in here. When was it? Wednesday night. And by the way, we didn't make it to Psalm uh, Proverbs 2. Wednesday night. We'll, we'll attempt it again this week. But we got up and, and, and we began to worship God and the glory of God fell in here. And you become so spiritually aware in the glory. 
I mean, I, some of y'all came and knelt at the altar, and, and the power of God touched some of, some of the people in the car. But, but, but you become so spiritually aware because what? Spirit to spirit. I said it's spirit to spirit. Flesh gets removed. The mind gets removed. And you're there with God, spirit to spirit. How does God want us to worship? In spirit and in truth. Now listen, traditionally we consider what we do, coming to church as sacrifice. Please. You take any denomination or any religion, and what they do is their, quote, worship. There are certain uh, 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 Christian denominations that require different types of, quote, worship. Some of them pray to saints. Some of them rub on beads. Some of them do this. Some of them do that. But in reality, none of that has anything to do with worship. Worship is your obedience to God through sacrifice that produces trust because of a great love you have for your heavenly Father. Now let me say this, and don't get mad at me because I'm trying to help you receive from God. Because a lot of people in this congregation are not receiving from God on the level that God wants them to receive on. And God's trying to get you to that level. But if you can't obey God with your time, you're not worshiping God. Let me say that again. If you can't obey God with your time, you are not worshiping God. A lot of people struggle spiritually because they come to like one service a week or one service every other week or one service a month or one service every three months. Listen, you are not obedient. You say, what do you mean I'm not obedient? The Bible says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even more so as the day grows evil. That means every time the doors are open, you ought to be here. I know that's a weak amen, but I'm going to say it again. That is your opportunity to what? Your act of sacrificing your time is worship. Pastor, I'm tired. Pastor, I work a job. I've heard it all for 38, 34 years. You don't know what tired is. Till you've preached 25 or 30 meetings in about eight days, flown on a jet, hit the airport at 6 o'clock, and been in church at 7. I had times when I traveled, I felt like I could lay down on the floor. And the same time, my wife was working eight and ten hour days. And we would meet together in church and worship God. Amen? You say, why would you do that? It was an act of obedience. Yes, there was sacrifice involved. Your money. People, I need God to bless me. Are you willing to tithe? Are you willing to offer? Are you willing to sacrifice your finances in order for God to give you supernatural finances? A lot of people say, well, I don't know. I don't believe it. I don't like that. I don't believe it. It really doesn't matter. You're, you're, You're rejecting the word, and it's literally inhibiting your worship. And your talents, your abilities. What can you do in the kingdom? Can you work with kids? Can you work with technical things? Can you sing? Whatever you can do. You've got, that's all you've got to give is your time, your money, and your ability. Amen. And that's all connected to your worship. And you've got to have the heart, right heart when you give it. Because anything you give, you've got to give che- cheerfully and joyfully. Amen? I didn't understand. Al and I, we didn't understand. Why did our parents drag us to church? I mean, every time we missed ball games, we missed events at our school, and because our parents had to have us in church, I did not think that was right nor fair. But it had nothing to do with our popularity or our position on the football team. What it had to do was their obedience to God and bringing their kids to the house of God so that when they got older, they wouldn't depart from what was put in their spirit. 
You want your kids to serve God, you're going to have to learn to worship. Abraham's giving it all. Why? God's looking for a man on the earth willing to give his only begotten son so that God can release his only begotten son. What is God looking for in your life so he can produce or release everything that son has produced in your life? Now notice. They came to the place which God had told him of and Abraham built an altar there. There ought to always be an altar in your life where you worship God. And he laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar and upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said unto him, here am I. Now, why did the angel stop him? Because God didn't need him to kill his only son. He just needed him to be willing. You say, why? Because God was going to, he's going to give his. He's going to allow his to die. But he just needed a man willing. Lay not thy hand upon thy lad, neither do thou anything unto him now. For I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast withheld not thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. Everybody say, lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket in its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the steed of his son. Now let me ask you a question. What would have been the price tag on that ram? Abraham, how much you want for that ram? Million bucks? No way. Ten million? No way. He's priceless. Because he is going to replace my son on that altar. So there ain't enough money on the world with a fence around, in the world with a fence around it, to buy that ram. Because that ram is a product of my worship. Are you with me? Now, real quick, go to Matthew 4. Is this helping anybody this morning? Matthew chapter 4. We know in Matthew 3, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. The Holy Ghost came upon his life. Spirit of God descending in the form of a dove lit upon him. Now he's prepared to go out. And to reveal the nature of God by doing signs and wonders and miracles. He goes into the wilderness led by the Spirit. Right in the middle of the wilderness, there's the devil. At the, at the point of his weakness, here comes the devil to tempt him. First temptation is physical. And Jesus resisted it by saying, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. Second temptation took place. It was a mental or a soulish temptation. And Jesus said, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But now it's the last temptation I want you to see. Everybody say the last temptation. It says again, verse 8, Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and said unto him, or said unto Jesus, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt, bow, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, now say what? You mean worship has become an issue in the temptations of Jesus? Yeah. Now, here's what's happening. Satan is showing Jesus all of the kingdoms of the world and the glory. The glory means their, their military strength, their financial power, their potential in the future. Everything that the potential of that particular group of people as a nation could be. Are you with me? 
So he probably not only saw what was in the natural, he probably showed him in the spirit. The great Roman Empire. The great empire of, the, uh, of, the, of, uh, of Britain. The great British Empire. The great uh, uh, empire of the United States. All down through the world. And Satan says, all this is mine. Now this is a legitimate temptation because at that point it all belonged to Satan. He said it belonged to Satan. It belonged to him. He had gotten it through deceiving the woman in the garden, the woman and the man. They were deceived. So he got all the nations of the world. Now, what was Jesus coming to the earth to do? He was coming to get them back. But see, Satan was offering an alternative way to get them, an easier way. But in this easier way, worship was involved. Worship. So what is worship? It's obedience, sacrifice, trust, love. That produces the provision of God. So Satan's saying, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go around all of that. And I'm just going to give it to you. But you're going to have to give me obedience. You're going to have to give me sacrifice. You're going to have to give me trust. Are you with me? Now notice, notice, notice. Jesus doesn't just say it's written this time. What's he say? He says, get thee hints. He's like, you, do, you, you, you done messed with the wrong thing. See, when the devil comes and challenges you in your obedience, when he tries to steal your sacrifice, when he tries to destroy your trust in God, brother, I'm telling you, every spiritual hair on the back of your head ought to bristle. And you ought to rise up and say, devil is one thing when you mess with my health. Devil is one thing when you mess with my finances. Devil is one thing when you mess with my joy. It was one thing when you mess with my peace. It was one thing when you mess with my family. But now you are messing with my worship. And I'm fixing to unleash upon you months and years of obedience, sacrifice, trust, and love for God that will make you wish you never challenged my worship. You say, what do you mean? Worship ought to be that valuable to you. It ought to be that valuable. You say, what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say, before you sing the slow song, you've got to obey. You've got to sacrifice. You've got to trust. You've got to love. You've got to let your faith work. That is your worship. Out of that, you can come to church, lift your hands up, and begin to worship God in spirit and in truth. God has found someone that worships Him. I begin to think about our lives, Lee and I's life together. And all the things that we sacrificed over, our, over the years. We sacrificed seven years of marriage. Traveled ten. Stayed away from her for seven. We sacrificed millions of dollars. We sacrificed our reputation in, in shutting down our field ministry and, and starting Island Church. We've sacrificed for years. And the Lord spoke to me and says, the reason you can come into a meeting, the reason you don't stay back in the back like a lot of preachers do before the service starts is because you want to be in the auditorium worshiping God. The reason you have that in you is because of your obedience, your sacrifice, your trust, and your love for God. I go preach at services. I go preach at conferences where all the preachers will sit in the back in the green room till it's their time to preach. Not me. I go out and I lift my hands with the congregation. I go out and I, and I begin to worship God. I begin to open my mouth. I'm not ashamed. I'm not of the company of the ashamed. I'm of the company of the unashamed. I've sung to the Lord. I've lifted my hands to the Lord. I've danced before the Lord. I've run around the church. I'm not ashamed to worship God. You say, why? Because out of your obedience comes a level of worship which breaks through your character and glorifies God. And it shows us right here, Satan is coming after your worship.
Why? He used to have it. Now let me help you with this. He worshiped God. 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 Then he began to worship himself. And that's the same thing we do. Is we think we produce something. God is the breath in your lungs. God is the reason your heart beats. God is the reason you can study at school or get up and go to a job. You say, well, what about the world? It's his mercy on the world. It's his grace on us. God is the reason the devil hadn't killed you. God is the reason why you hadn't gone crazy. God is the reason why you're still here. Paul said it like this. In him we live and move and we have our being. He is our all in all in all in all. And he's worthy of our obedience, of our sacrifice, of our trust, and of our love. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this ticked off Jesus. He just, he messed with you. He messed with my body, it's written. He messed with my mind, it's written. You mess with my worship, get thee hence, devil. Come on, church. Notice this. Get thee hence, devil, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now look at the next verse. Then the devil leaveth. Then the devil leaveth. Then the devil leaveth. You want the devil out of your life? You better get your worship back online. You better start obeying God. There needs to be some sacrifice in your life. There needs to be some areas of your life when you say, man, I am giving this all to God. This is my all in all. Listen, God knows when you're holding back on him. And God knows when you're not. Let me say that again. God knows when you're holding back on him. And God knows when you're not. And it doesn't matter what goes on in your life. If you ain't holding back on God, God is going to bless you. And it doesn't matter where you're at, who you're with, God will bless you. Because he, just like he looked at that leper, he looked right through that leper and he could see, this leper will do anything, anything to get rid of this. He looked through Jairus and said, this, this man, see, what's he doing? What's he doing? He's judging him by faith. He's judging him by faith. If I call this man to be a pastor, he'll be a pastor. I'm talking about Jairus. If I call this man to be a missionary in Asia, he'll be a missionary in Asia. If I call him to support financially the Apostle Paul, he'll support the, the Apostle Paul financially. He'll do whatever I tell him to do. He'll go wherever I tell him to go. He'll be whatever I call him to be because I have reached into his life and I have touched his life in such a way that he is willing to be obedient. He's willing to sacrifice. He's willing to trust. What's the Bible saying in Proverbs chapter 3? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. He's the one that got you to that promotion. He's the one that helped you sell that property. He's the, he's the one that, that, that helped you get through that test at school. He's the, he's the one. You say, well, I didn't, didn't even ask him. He did it for you anyway. 
He's the the one that's doing all of that in your life. He's the reason that your family hadn't gone to hell in a handbasket. He's the reason all of these things have not happened in your life. And he will keep you from all of that if you'll just worship God. Because every one of us are required to obey, to sacrifice, and to trust God. And when we do that, and then when we come together, you get two or three gathered in his name that worship that worship God. I've got about four pastor friends that I get together with. We pray together. And I love to get together with them because all four of these guys are worship guys. They're not, they don't sing on the worship team. But all four of these guys, their entire life has been obedience, sacrifice, and trust. And we'll get together and start praying and start worshiping God. And, and, and we'll get lost. I mean, hours will go by and we're like, you know, 15 minutes has gone by and it's three hours. You're like, oh my God. But the revelation that flows. I'll call one of them up and say, man, I'm going through this and this. Man, all of a sudden he'll just start popping off. Here's your answer. Here's your answer. Here's your answer. Here's your answer. Or one of them will call me and just the Holy Ghost to come on me. I was talking to one the other day and he's telling me all this stuff that's going on. And, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, all of a sudden I'm, I'm thinking, oh my God. Oh my Lord. Oh my God. The Spirit of God's coming on me talking to somebody on the phone. And so I opened my mouth to try to say something to him in English and came out in tongues. So I just let it flow. And then as soon as I finished, the interpretation came, and he goes, I got it, I got it, that's exactly what I need. Hung up the phone. Comes out of worship. Comes out of worship. Everything you receive in life from from the master, you say why? Because God is a spirit. And those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And this is that hour where God is looking for your obedience, for your sacrifice, for your trust, and for your love of Him. And in so doing, you worship God. You think, Lord, I mean, Lee and I have had to worship God with money before that was very tough. Money that we needed, desperately needed for our ministry and for our lives. And God said, no, give it back. You trust your offering. You trust your gift. You trust your ability to preach. And you're on the wrong track. Give your offering back tonight. And it was the most inopportune time for him to ever say that to us. And we give it back to the pastor. And he's like, no, no, no. We want to sow into your ministry. You've blessed our church. We've had the greatest revival we've ever had. We can't, you've got to take your offering. I'm like, I can't do it. Can't do it. But it was an act of worship. It was obedience. It was sacrifice. It was trust. So what did we begin to do? We begin to make provisions for failure. Come on. I mean, you got everybody does the math on what you do or don't have. So we begin to make provisions. Well, we're not going to have the money we need. We're not going to have money for, for staff bonuses. We're not going to have money for this or that. So we'll make do with what we got. We got one little meeting left in a little church over in Spring, Texas. Forty people go there. Last time we went there, I think we got $500. So we'll just go and we'll be happy. Joy of the Lord's our strength. We go there and preach, and they give us a check. That's more than the other check was, more than we ever thought we'd ever get from a church that size, and covered every need we had, every bill we needed to pay, and put extra money into our pockets. You say, why? Because it was worship. Because it's worship. 
And see, when God puts those demands upon you, your obedience to those demands, whether it's financial, whether it's your time, whether it's your talent, which God demands it of all of it, because you're His. You're all in all. What He does is He releases His provision. And you may step outside some of the boundaries of what we call, of what we call regulated faith. Your confession might not be good. Your, your, your whatever it is, your expectancy, He just goes right over all of that. And just pours his blessing into your life. And you're like, my goodness, how did that show up? You're almost, you're almost kind of, I remember how when we got that check and opened that check up, we're driving home. And we're, it was almost like you were embarrassed. Because you wasn't trusting God on that level. We were not trusting you on that level. But he is the God that does exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Amen. Did you learn something this morning? Lift your hands up and worship the Lord now. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. Lord, we exalt you in this building. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be men and women, young people, young adults, teenagers in this church that are willing to be obedient, that are willing to sacrifice, that are willing to trust, that are willing to worship God. Father, it's not a ritual. Like, like, like Roland and the praise team sang, we're coming back to the heart of worship. It's not just a song that we sing. It is our obedience to God. Lord, you said if we'd be willing and obedient, we would eat the fat of the land, the good of the land. So we thank you, Father, that our hearts are changing, that we're becoming willing and obedient. And Father, we declare that when you come to Island Church, you don't have to seek too far. You don't have to look too deep to find a worshiper because we're all worshiping you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just... Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.